Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of Bite Size Virtue. This is episode three, I believe, of season six. And I apologize again for the amount of road noise in last week's episode. That was just something that I couldn't compensate for well enough in post-processing, and so I kind of just had to deal with it as it was. Basically went right from the recording audio, which is unfortunate, but there it is. Um, this week, there should hopefully be less background noise. I am outside. I can hear a few birds chirping and unfortunately some sounds of construction as well. But you know, it's not too windy outside. It's a pretty nice day and I have a few minutes to dash off some thoughts. So here we go. The, you know, it's funny. I'm recording this on the day that Star Wars The Last Jedi is being released digitally. So they, Disney in their wisdom, if that's the word for it, decided that The Last Jedi should come out in kind of a two-part fashion. So initially the digital versions of the movie will release and that's today march 13th and then in a couple of weeks time i think on march 27th physical editions uh so the blu-rays and 4k ultra hds and all of that stuff the actual physical discs will be released on march 27th um but you know what i didn't want to wait so i pre-ordered the digital edition and had the occasion to actually download it last night and um, it's sitting now on my Plex server and just waiting for an opportunity to watch it. And uh, apologies to anybody who's listening to this episode. Oh, there's a bit of wind there. Apologies to anybody who is listening to this episode uh, or who wants to listen to this episode in its entirety but hasn't yet seen The Last Jedi. I'm not going to get too much into spoilers, but there will be a few. So if spoilers are not your thing... I'm going to say, you know what, save this episode, see The Last Jedi, and maybe come back to it then, okay? Give you a couple of seconds to just turn the uh, playback off, and if you're still listening, hopefully you're comfortable hearing little bits and pieces about The Last Jedi. So, if you have seen The Last Jedi, you know that one of the messages of the movie, and this is something that I didn't catch on initially when I, well, I mean... I kind of did, because it's actually one of the more obvious things. But then it wasn't until I listened to an episode of Catching Foxes, which is a great podcast. I'm pretty sure I've recommended it before. It is technically a Catholic podcast, but it's not so much heavy on theology. It's really, you know, um, the, the, the show's creators like to say that they emphasize discussion over instruction. And I mean, they deal with um, just, you know, very down-to-earth stuff. You know, not that theology isn't down to earth, but you know, they don't necessarily get heavy into theology. They talk about, you know, how Catholicism intersects with the ugliness of life sometimes. And, you know, the, a lot of their discussion comes around or centers rather on their own struggles with the ugliness of life and addictions and things like that. And it's, uh, can be crass, it can be vulgar, it can be funny, um, but it's a podcast that I generally recommend to everybody who is, you know, old enough to take in such things, whether you're Catholic or not. So anyways, they did an episode on The Last Jedi and the guest, and I can't remember his name, but their guest made the point that, you know, one of the key parts of the narrative of The Last Jedi is this idea that nobody owns the Force. Not the Jedi, not the Sith, not Rey, not Luke. Nobody owns the Force. The Force just is. And 
the Jedi and the Sith can tap into it and can access it and can allow themselves to be shaped by it, but they don't own it. And in fact, it was kind of the pride of the Jedi, the sense that they did own the Force. They were its, um, I don't know what the word here would be, but you know, like they were its, its arbiters and its caretakers and its guardians and its authority figures that was instrumental in laying the groundwork for their downfall. Nobody owns the Force. The Jedi don't own the Force. The Sith don't own the Force. And really, if you kind of step back a bit and look at The Last Jedi from a higher level view, it's not just that nobody owns the Force. It's that the the whole movie is, in many respects, a deconstruction of Star Wars. It's a deconstruction of a lot of, you know, our deeply held notions about what a Star Wars is, what a Star Wars should entail. The entire movie takes one Star Wars trope after another and just, in most cases, literally destroys it, you know? Plucky rebellion upstart fighting a successful battle against overwhelming odds. Nope, nope, nope. The resistance is basically reduced to a single ship full of people by the end of the movie. Um... There's really, I mean, the whole movie is just steeped in failures, one after another. Desperate mission, you know, desperate last chance mission to try and save the resistance fleet, fails. Uh, Hotshot pilot decides to go it his own way and take command of the fleet from its legitimately appointed heir, who, at least on the surface, seems to be leading the fleet into serious error. Nope, that fails too. Um... The attack on the Dreadnought at the beginning, that mostly fails too, although they do succeed in destroying the ship. And it's weird, actually, that's one of only about two major successes that happen in the movie, and that one at great cost. Um, but yeah, the you know, The Last Jedi really is, I mean, it produced a lot of ire. You can still see that reflected in its Rotten Tomato score. Like, it still scores lower on RT than some of the other Star Wars movies do, including some of the prequels, I think, at least the last time I checked. It's starting to get averaged out as fake reviews are identified and removed, and new reviews are posted that give it a much higher rating, and certainly the movie didn't, you know, suffer at the box office. Well, I mean, I don't know, maybe it did do... I actually haven't looked at its box office total, so I don't know if it did better or worse than The Force Awakens, but I mean, it still made oodles and oodles of money, so... You know, we're still going to get episode nine. We're probably still going to get Ryan Johnson's new Star Wars trilogy. It's not like fan outcry um, completely resulted in the catastrophic failure of the film. But there was a lot of fan outcry, or at least it seemed like there was. These days, it's kind of hard to tell, right? Because on the internet, you can have a very vocal minority, and there's all sorts of ways they can signal boost. So maybe it was just a minority of fans. Maybe it was more than just a handful of people. But at any rate, there was some controversy surrounding the movie. But much like the message of the movie is the Jedi don't own the Force, the Sith don't own the Force, nobody owns the Force, in a way, the message, the, the, the meta message of the movie is, you know what, you don't own Star Wars. You, me, sitting in the theater, watching the show, we don't own Star Wars. We can like a movie in the Star Wars, tri- you know, in the Star Wars canon. We can hate a movie in the Star Wars canon. What we can't do is say, well, that movie's clearly not canon. Well, that movie clearly, you know, is not real Star Wars. Well, no, it is. It's it's a Star Wars movie made by the people who own Star Wars, overseen by, you know, the story group at Lucasfilm. It's a real Star Wars. It's canon. We can like it. We can hate it. We can be indifferent about it. 
But the one thing we can't do is, on our own authority as fans of the series, question, challenge, or just straight out deny that it is a Star Wars. If it was made as a Star Wars by the group at Lucasfilm that is responsible for Star Wars, with the writers overseen and in consultation with the story group, the Lucasfilm story group, handling Star Wars, then yeah, it's a Star Wars. And it's, you know, I mean, there's a certain tendency though, because, you know, a lot of the people working on Star Wars these days are probably fairly young. Most of them were probably around when the prequels were released, but a lot of them were probably not born when the originals were released. Certainly J.J. Abrams was. Certainly J.J. Abrams was. And Ryan Johnson and all of them. But, you know, I mean, a lot of the people, maybe even in the writer's room, weren't necessarily around for the entirety of the Star Wars phenomenon. And as time rolls on and we get more and more Star Wars movies released, that's going to become more and more true. And so there's kind of this temptation as longtime fans of the series to look on the younger, newer generation that's now been entrusted or is starting to be entrusted with the stewardship of the series and say, well, you know what? I mean, I know more about them, so I have a much better idea of what is and isn't, you know, validly Star Wars than they do. And it's tempting to really see the validity of that argument. But at the same time, it, it doesn't matter. You know, you and I might be super fans. We might know everything there is to know about Star Wars. But that 22-year-old writer who's penning the next episode of Star Wars Rebels, he's the one who actually gets to say what is and isn't Star Wars. And all we can do is say, well, I agree with, you know, I, I actually agree with that. And I really like how you shaped that story. Or, no, I really don't like what you did there. That I didn't particularly enjoy that. And then maybe we have to make the decision to either ah, give it another chance. Maybe next week's episode will be better. Or walk away. And it occurs to me that this realization takes a heck of a lot of humility. It takes so much humility to realize just what our place is as fans of, as consumers of a property, and more importantly, what our place isn't, what is within our power to say and what isn't. And it also occurs to me that the same holds true for Ultima. Because you know what? We don't own Ultima. I mean, if you're working for EA at a development studio that is currently templating a new Ultima game, well, A, let me know, and B, this doesn't apply to you. But <laughs> unless you're that person, you know, you and I, me talking, you listening, we don't own Ultima. So we don't really get to say what is and isn't canon Ultima. We can say, well, but the lore says this, but you know what? That doesn't matter. If it was produced by a studio that has been given charge of the license and produced as, you know, like if tomorrow some studio announced that they were creating Ultima 10, you know, some EA studio announced they were creating a new Ultima 10 and this is going to be its setting and this is going to be its story. And we look at it and we're just like, well, but that, you know, like that doesn't seem to align with this bit of the lore. And I've never heard of that before. And what are you doing there? It doesn't matter. The fact that it's an EA studio, because EA owns Ultima, producing a new game, a numbered game in the Ultima series would make it canon would make it part of the lore. Even if it contradicted what had come before. Even if it didn't seem to align what had come before. We had this play out a little bit with Ultima Forever, right? EA Studio, Mythic in this case, produces a new Ultima game. They want to kind of reboot the series, but they don't want to do just like a straight-up remake of the games. So what do they do? They kind of take it in the same direction that J.J. Abrams did with Star Trek. 
Kelvin timeline. They produce an alternate take on the events around the time of Ultima Four, except removing Lord British from the picture, because of course they don't own the name Lord British. So we have Lady British instead, and they start telling the story from there. Now, Ultima Forever failed for a variety of reasons, and we can criticize it on its technical merits, and we can criticize it on whether, you know, we think it told a good story or was a fun game to play. One thing we can't do, though, is say, well, that's not canon, that's not lore. Yeah, it is now. Granted, it's canon in the same sense that the Abrams Treks are part of Trek canon, which is to say an alternate limelight, alternate timeline, but equally, it is the official alternate timeline. So it is part of the story, it is part of the lore, just not a well-explored part of the lore. The same is true for Ultima 9, you know? Even if Ultima 9 seemingly contradicts earlier games in the series, doesn't matter, it's still part of the canon, still part of the lore. Even if it seems wildly different from other Ultima games in whatever way you care to highlight, doesn't matter, still an Ultima game. Because it was made by a studio, Origin Systems, in that case, in the case of Ultima 9, you know, owned by Electronic Arts, who holds the license for Ultima. It's an Ultima. And as fans, we have to have the humility to admit that to ourselves and to realize then that, you know, the debates about the canonicity of the game, whether that's Ultima 9 or Ultima Forever or whatever, those are irrelevant. Because, yeah, those games are Ultima games. They're part of the canon. They're part of the lore. We can say, well, I didn't like that game for this reason and that reason and the other reason, and that's perfectly legitimate. We can say, hey, I really loved that game for this reason, that reason, and the other reason, and that's perfectly legitimate. And we can even be indifferent towards any particular game in the Ultima canon, but we can't really, if we're honest with ourselves, and if we're humble about it, say, well, that wasn't canon, because that's not ours to say. We don't own Ultima. We just play it. Anyways, I think I've probably irritated you all enough, so I'm going to end it there. But food for thought. And you know, a real exercise in humility is getting to the point where you know you can admit that, yeah, okay, I didn't like that, but now it's part of the story. And if you can get to that point, then of course you have the difficult decision to make of whether you continue following the story, whatever it is, Star Wars, Ultima, Star Trek, etc., or walking away. And that's a difficult choice to make. Maybe we'll discuss that in a later episode. Maybe we won't. But for now, thank you for listening. And until next time, be virtuous.